Well, welcome to another episode of the Leadership Download. We're here again with uh, Travis and myself, Cameron, and uh, you are in store for a very awesome, intriguing interview from a great mentor of ours, um, Sam Chand. Um, Sam Chand is talking about his latest book that he has out, um, How Leaders Create Chaos and Why They Should. Um, at the end of the podcast, we'll we'll include some links on uh, how you can get the book, not just the book, but there's a valuable study guide and masterclass that he's developed. So how leaders create chaos and why they should. Um, so just to give you a little bit about who Sam Chand is, Dr. Sam Chand, um, I'm going to read the bio from the book. Uh, Sam Chand's singular vision for his life is to help others succeed. A prolific author and renowned international leadership and business consultant, he develops leaders through consultations, the Sam Chan Leadership Institute, Dream Releaser Coaching, and resources such as books, webinars, and digital downloads. Sam has authored more than 20 books on leadership, including The Sequence to Success, The Three O's That Will Take You Anywhere in Life, New Thinking, New Future, Culture Catalysts, Bigger, Faster Leadership, Who's Holding Your Ladder, and Leadership Pain. So we really hope you enjoyed this content on chaos and how leaders create chaos and why they should. Um, so I hope you enjoy this interview. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the uh, Leadership Download. And we're here today with our, uh, a good friend and somebody that we're getting to learn from and We've been mentored from a distance from and through many books. Uh, Sam Chan, thank you for joining us. It's an honor to be here. So, Sam, you just wrote a brand new book called How Leaders Create Chaos and Why They Should. So, I mean, that's a very intriguing title. What uh, what drove you to write this book? Well, the story behind that is I was at a wedding of a friend of mine, uh, the CEO of my company, Martin Van Tilburg, that you all know quite well. And his son was getting married and his, uh, so the, he was speaking blessings over his son and future daughter-in-law at the wedding. And in course of that uh, speaking, he started talking about the things he used to do when he was young. For example, he planted five churches at the same time and then became this and he did that. And he moved from the Netherlands where he's originally from to South Africa and he did this, that, the other. Then from there, he moved to the United States and he jumped into the business world and on and on. And and the refrain that I heard from him was what he used to do and what he's not doing now. And it struck me that he started out uh, as a lion, as a roaring lion. And then life happened. People happened. Disappointments happened, closed doors happened, uh, <laughs> lack of resources happened, and he moved from being the roaring lion that he was to, he, he will not appreciate me saying that, uh, it's just an illustration, but, but becoming an overgrown house cat instead of a roar. He's got meow. <laughs> and so when I was sitting at the at the wedding, all of a sudden I zoned out and I pulled out my phone 
and I wrote down the seminal thoughts of the book that uh, leaders create chaos, but is that a bad thing? And then my mind went to the Bible. And the leaders, every leader that I started reading about in the Bible created chaos. I mean, they upended the status quo. They asked people to do things that they would not normally do. And they too went through difficult times. So all that to say, I came up with that uh, at that wedding and then started reflecting on my life too. And I can talk later more about that if you're in, in, interested in how I can look, reflect on my life, that there were times, many, many, many times that I went into situations and circumstances as a roaring lion and got tamed by the, by the system, which includes people, to becoming an overgrown house pet. So that's the story behind that, Travis. That's a long answer to a short question. Excellent, excellent. Nice. Um, so we'll, the next question here is, how would you define chaos in leadership and why is it good for leaders to create chaos? Ooh, that's a loaded question. That's the whole book right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just give us a taste. Just give us a taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, question number one is what is chaos? How I define chaos. And number two is why is it good for leaders to create chaos? So in my mind, chaos is when you go into a situation or circumstance and you start upending the status quo. You start asking questions that people A, have never asked, be used to ask and don't ask anymore. C should be asking, but are not asking them anymore. And more importantly, questions that they know in their head they need to be asking, but are afraid to ask because the answer might be counterintuitive. So chaos in my mind is not going in there uh, willy nilly and just destroying something. Chaos is a chaotic moment out of which life comes. So if you look at Genesis chapter 1, 1 and 2, it was chaos. And out of that, God brought order. Uh, you take uh, Jesus in the temple uh, when he was whipping out all the money changers and uh, he created chaos there to establish. I mean, what a great introduction to himself. huh? <laughs> he walks in there and uh, just created chaos that made him headlines and the most hated person by the business community of that time. Uh, John the Baptist <coughs> came in creating chaos. Uh, Nehemiah, while he built the walls of uh, Jerusalem and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem 52 days, created chaos. I mean, it was just these are chaotic leaders Jesus himself said, I did not come here to bring peace. I came here with a sword. <laughs> I'm going to divide this and do that kind of a thing. Uh, whoever does not deny everything that they own, everybody they know, you know, let the dead bury the dead. I mean, those are not easy things to say. 
So chaos is when we lead people as a leader into areas we know are good for them, but it's going to be chaotic for them to receive it. Now, why should leaders create chaos? Number one, I think every leader needs to embrace that chaotic moments in their own life. They should be true to that. I don't think that a person is a leader. If they go into a situation and say, you know, when I go there, I'm going to keep everything the same forever. You know, I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to leave it alone and let it just do what it is doing. That is a manager. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But that's a manager. So everybody listening to me right now who is a leader, you walk into any space. Uh, let me take you into the airport. You walk into a TSA <laughs> uh, line. Are you not standing there rearranging everything? I mean, you go into a grocery store at five o'clock in the afternoon, for goodness sake, you know, every day of the week at five o'clock from five to seven mm. is going to be chaotic in there. But why is it that we have only two lanes open when there are seven lanes available? And do we not stand in those grocery store lines, rearranging, changing everything? You go into a new church uh, to visit or to speak, whatever takes you there. And are you not rearranging the furniture and the platform and the lighting and the sound? Uh, you, you watching somebody on Facebook or live or, you know, a podcast or uh, are you not changing stuff about them? So uh, a leader walks into any place and they're a change agent. And anytime you bring about change, uh, I wrote about that in my previous book called uh, Change Has Changed. In, in which I talk about that same thing. You walk into a place and as a leader, you're creating change. And change is chaotic because everybody else wants to tame you and manage you. And, 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 and like you're moving too fast or, you know, that this has always worked for us. So we've tried this before. Those are ways of managing the chaotic movement. So two questions were asked by Cameron. Number one was, what is chaos? Chaos is upending the status quo. And if you're not upending the status quo, you're a good manager. You're not a leader. And why should you do that? Because that's what you're called to do. That is what leaders do. They create chaos, but they create chaos with solutions. They create chaos by leading people along. They create chaos by focusing on the what and the why. They create chaos by giving people the guardrails that'll not just go willy-nilly in every direction. So I think every leader that's listening to us right now is a chaotic leader who may not be acting like a chaotic leader. Mm. That's so good. You know, um, one of the things I love about this book, Sam, is the uh, in er early in the book, you start talking about your one of your first experiences as a senior pastor. And, you know, I think this is very relatable to our audience because uh, we, we, this, you know, this podcast is designed specifically for young leaders. Um, can you talk, talk, talk to us a little bit about um, that cre creating chaos when you're when you're new, when you're unexperienced and you don't have that trust yet? And 
how do you build that relationship capital, that equity that you need to be able to then go in and, and be able to do the things that you need to do as a leader? Yeah, I wish I knew this then. And obviously, when you read the book, you know, I did not know this then. Uh, what, what I should have done is to create relational equity, to gain trust. I was 28, leading a church, small church, you're still leading a church. And when you're in a smaller church, there's more leadership needed. In a smaller organization, more leadership needed because you don't have the support system around you. So if I was in a larger situation, I would have had an admin assistant, for example. I would have had an executive pastor, maybe. I would have had some uh, some executive leaders around me. I had nobody. I mean, I was it. So when you are a when you are a young leader, you are a generalist and a specialist at the same time, uh, and that's a very tough place to be for a young leader. So. Travis, because you are focusing uh, on this podcast to younger leaders, I would say to you, learn the context of where you're at. Learn the context, learn the history. Every place has a history. Every place has stories. And you will be the lone leader for a while. So, so you know, so I was the lone leader a uh, small country church. So I was the janitor. I was the, I cut the grass. I preached. I, uh, you know, I led, I led worship. I taught Sunday school. You know, we talk about 1980. Uh, you know, I did, I did everything uh, because I was a generalist and a specialist. So number one thing I would have understood the context. Where are people coming from? Number two is I would have built relational equity with the people because it is never about what you're trying to do. It is whether they trust you. If you, if you are, if they can trust you to lead them through uh, wherever you're trying to lead them through. And, and, and number three, I would have done a better job of communicating, of communicating. And communicating, it takes time, it takes time. Uh, I did not have the patience that is needed to, to lead people where they don't want to go or where they've been before and had a bad experience. It's like you went to a restaurant, you ate their food, you got indigestion. I come by a month later and ask you to meet me for dinner and you want to know where and I name the restaurant that you got sick at. Well, uh, you will come for my sake, maybe, or you can tell me, hey, I went there last month, man, I got sick. I never want to go back there again. And that's exactly what we're leading people through who have had an experience. It was not a positive experience, but now we're inviting them to re-experience that negative experience in a different context. And now we're saying to them, trust me, trust me. And the question is, why should I trust you? And we got to get them reasons for that. Hmm. Yeah, so um, now kind of taking a different angle, Sam, um, you know, we we know that it's good to create chaos, but there are times when we see leaders um, uh, that are, are, as you said earlier, managers, and they don't want to create that chaos. They want to keep it as status quo. 
Um, they just want to manage what they have. They don't try to stretch themselves and their teams that they have oversight of. And this might be because of fear, insecurities, what have you, whether it's a senior leader or new leader, young leader. Um, what advice do you have for leaders that are listening um, and they are either new to their roles, they're fearful, they're insecure. How do they how do how do they go and create that chaos to make sure that it's um, not just causing disruption, as you said in one of your chapters, but it's actually um, it's actually being productive. You're you're uh, being productive in your disruption. So let me start with a disclaimer. That's a great question, Cameron. Let me start with a disclaimer. Nothing wrong with you just maintaining whatever it is if that is what the context requires. For example, for example, if I could use a church example, that's you know that's the world that I live in. Uh, if if Travis goes in to a church as an interim pastor, they had a pastor, they don't have a pastor. They are going through a process to get a next pastor. And Travis goes in as an interim pastor. It is not his role to create chaos. Hmm. He's not even a leader right there. Yeah. He's bringing healing to the people. He is regaining trust in the church. He is maintaining. He is creating health. He is focusing on culture. He is bringing leaders together. He is building consensus. Uh, he is building relationships. If the relationships have been fractured in the process, he's trying to bring healing to all of that. Uh, and so he is not there to create chaos. So the disclaimer is if the context requires no change, steady hand, keep it where it's at, then there's nothing wrong with that. And in that case, Travis is a leader and a manager that is needed for that occasion. Mm. However, if Travis has been selected, elected, appointed as the next pastor, now he's a lead pastor. He's not the interim pastor now. He's not the uh, holding the space pastor. He actually is the lead pastor. Now he goes back to my former answer. He understands the context. He creates relational equity and focuses on creating strong communication among his, among his leaders. So now to, to, your, to your question. If somebody is out there who has a situation that really needs a a jolt, so as to speak. If that is what is needed and you are there and you're not giving it that jolt, you got to ask yourself why? Hmm. Well, the answers are were found in your question, Cameron. Insecurities, bad experiences, former disappointment, a real need to keep people happy and everybody on board, afraid of potential losses. Uh... And if those are your motivations, then you know that you are not really leading at that time. And though you're not doing service to the people, your motivations are about you. And it's a selfish 
That means you're thinking about self-protection. That's the word. You're thinking about self-protection rather than moving the organization forward to where it needs to go. So having said that, if, if you're out there listening to me, ask yourself, what does this organization need? And be true to the need of the organization, not to your needs. So the focus is not on you. The focus is on the needs of the organization. Uh, I tell stories about when I went to this Christian university in, in the book uh, in Atlanta. It needed, it needed a jolt. And we had jolt after jolt after jolt after jolt. Because I had to come at it saying, the only way we're not going to just survive, but we're going to grow, is to be willing to assess what I'm willing to lose. I didn't come here to keep people happy. I was brought here because this place needed disruption. It needed chaos. Now, I'm talking about this, you know, decades later. So it's easy for me to look back and say that. But at that given time, all I knew was that unless we did something, we're going to go down. So I threw every brick at it and took every risk that we needed to take, displeased a lot of people, mm. and had a lot of losses. But I don't think uh, you can get better till you're willing to get worse. So just because you go in there and you think people are going to be happy, no one's going to be happy. Because all change is about loss and all change is personal and all change is painful and all change has history. All change is a critique of the past. But that is what chaotic leaders do. Hmm. That's so good, Sam. Um, you know, I just, just kind of, I want to lean in on something a little bit more. Um, you know, sitting here listening to you and thinking about this from a perspective of someone being new to an organization or to a church or to, to anything in general, um, that building that political capital, that, that relationship capital that you need to create chaos. Uh, could you give us a couple examples maybe from your life of how you, how you kind of bridge that relationship gap? Um, and then also, you know, when you're new to an organization, you know, how long do you, do you kind of play the relationship understanding context before you jump into chaos? Cause oftentimes I've seen new leaders um, jump into an organization or to a church or wherever. And they immediately, you know, slam the throttle to the floor and it creates a unnecessary, um, it, it, it creates an unnecessary chaos within within the, the church or the organization because they 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 haven't taken the time to communicate well enough what's going on around them. So all leaders who create chaos have to build that on trust. Trust. Everything is trust based. Uh, so I'll give you my definition of trust. My definition of trust, and I'll unpack that as I go along. My definition of trust is very simple. It is a feeling based on repeated reality. Trust is a feeling based on repeated reality. One more time. 
Trust is a feeling based on repeated reality. So let me unpack that. And then I'll answer your question, Travis. First of all, trust is not objective, it is subjective. Trust cannot be measured, it can be sensed. So trust is a feeling. And I'm gonna come back to answer your question using that piece right there. Trust is a feeling. Number two, based on repeated reality. That means when they see the same action producing the same results, is a repeated reality. Now, how can a young leader gain that? You gain that by creating that feeling. Feeling by creating repeated reality. That simply means you make low-level decisions, low-level choices, produce a win from that, and that creates a feeling, and you do it again and again and again and again. Don't go to the big decision, the big chaotic moment, the small things, mm. the small things. So a lot of small wins, let's call it that, a lot of small wins cumulatively create the feeling based on repeated reality. That simply says this. Okay, okay, here's the thing. You all have a wonderful podcast. You reach a lot of people. My first question is, and then I want to elaborate on that. My first question is, why did you start your podcast? Were there not enough podcasts in the world? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, why, why would I <laughs> listen and watch Cameron and Travis uh, when I can get a gazillion uh, people out there who are quote unquote influencers, brands, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you created that because you felt like we can bring a chaotic angle, chaotic mm -hmm. leaders, chaotic setting, et cetera, et cetera. So why do, so I'm talking now to people who are listening, watching us right now. Why do your constituents, your listeners, your watchers, tune in regularly because you have created a feeling that is based on repeated reality. That means when they come to your podcast, they get this feeling of, I've learned something, a feeling of, I feel encouraged, a feeling of, that was great information, a feeling of, man, that's exactly what I needed today. A you create a feeling on repeated reality, that means week after week, every time you drop a podcast, it's a repeated reality. And then they tell their friends, hey, you ought to listen to this, you ought to watch this, here's a link for that, here's an app for that, whatever that happens after that, because you two have created a feeling. So when someone, if before they tune in, while they're listening, after the podcast is over, they, you have created a feeling that's based on repeated reality. And you so you started with three people. Then you went to 30 people. Then you went to 300 people and so on and so forth, simply because your first win led to the second win, led to the third win, led to the fourth win, and so on and so forth, so forth. And I think a lot of chaotic leaders want to jump into the big one first. Mm. And so what I would say to you, extend 
the shallow end of the pool. Extend the shallow end of the pool. And go slowly with your toes, ankles, lower calf, mid calf, upper calf, knees, and so on and so forth. Till you, if you, if the big chaotic moment is swimming, then you got to have a lot of, people have to have that trust, that confidence in you through small wins. So everybody listening to me right now, this is what I would say to you. Make a list of 10, and I'm saying 10 on purpose because you're going to get stressed after three. <laughs> 10 small wins that you can strategically place over the next three to four months. Don't announce those wins now. Don't say we'll do this, then we'll do that, then we'll do that. No, no, no. Just do the first one. Do the second one. Do the third one. Do the fourth one. Stretch it out over three to four months. Ten small wins. And that will qualify you in the fourth or the fifth month to go for a bigger win. So small wins will lead you to the big win. And the big win might be the chaotic moment. And you got to pack a lot of patience. If you mess up on the fourth uh, fourth thing that you did, apologize, apologize. Hey, listen, you want to regain trust in a hurry? Apologize. Say, I missed that one. Sorry about that. Miss that one. Let's regroup. Let's move forward. Don't make, go, Don't blame people. Don't uh, explain it away. Apologize. A sincere apology with no disclaimers is amazingly trust building. Amazing trust. People don't realize that. Younger leaders especially feel like if they apologize and they are softening up now. A sincere, no disclaimer apology, no exclamation apology, no blaming apology will gain you many, many points mm. that you would not get another, another way. Mm. So make a list, 10 small wins, stretch them out over three to four months, and that'll give you the equity that you need to spend on the big one. What an awesome teaching moment. Yeah. <laughs> Just sitting here listening and taking it all in. Um, uh, well, Sam, I did actually have another question. Um, it was actually in chapter seven of your book uh, called Predictable Stages. Uh, I'm going to read a quote from the book you mentioned here. Um, wise leaders, they wrestle with the hard question of what and whom they're willing to lose for the sake of possible possible gains. Um, so can you expand on this a bit and how how has this impacted your leadership journey in terms of, um, you know, how you wrestled with uh, what you were willing to lose for certain games? So I live in Atlanta. Atlanta is known for many things. One of it is its traffic. Mm -hmm. Traffic. So traffic is bad was predictably bad. I know between 6 and 9.30 or 10 o'clock it's going to be bad. I know from 2.33 o'clock to 7 o'clock it's going to be bad. I know it's going to be worse on Fridays. I know it's better on Thursdays. I don't have the answers to those. Uh, I know Sunday morning is okay. Sunday afternoon is still rush. So, 
because it's predictable, I can I can prepare for its predictability. So in this coming week, I have an appointment on the other side of town at eight o'clock in the morning. Normally, I would leave at seven, but because my appointment is at eight, I will leave at six. I'm going to give myself two hours for what would normally have taken one hour. Mm. Now, I'm using an example that every one of your listeners can, can identify with. It's predictable. Mm-hmm. So I will leave early. Now, when you are a chaos leading leader, <clears throat> the predictability is that you're going to lose some people. Because in my book, Change Has Changed, I talk about all change is about loss. So you're going to lose some people. <clears throat> However, if your personal uh, goal is to keep everybody happy, not lose anybody, then you're going to hedge your bets and not be a roaring lion, but an overgrown house cat. And that is where you have to know there will be losses. Which losses are you willing to fight for? Which losses are good for you? Uh, which lo- losses are just going to happen? Doesn't matter what you do. And unless you are willing to make that part of your transitional plan, part of your thinking, what you're going to lose, who you're going to lose, uh, you're going to be held hostage. So let me talk about hostage for a second. If your your goal in life is to keep everybody happy, you, my dear friend, are going to be the most unhappy person. Let me say it again. (laughs) If keeping other people happy is your goal in life, you will be the most unhappy person. Hmm. And so as a leader, uh, you don't want anybody unhappy, but if everyone's happiness is your goal, you will never do anything because somebody's going to be unhappy. Doesn't matter what you do. I mean, if you're married, if you got children, if, if you're not married, if you're with friends, you're with the coworkers. I mean, how how do you keep everybody happy? You can't. It just that it's not feasible. And if that becomes your goal in life, then you will never do anything that is uh, that is really chaotic. <laughs> that is going to change lives. Uh, I mean, Jesus says to you, leave everybody and come follow me. That's a pretty bold demand, requirement. Wow. So you, you mean I can't do that and you? No, no, no. No man comes to the Father except by me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Wow. That's quite a claim. But that is where people have to make choices. And I think as a leader, you have to be at a place where you're secure to know that you want everybody happy, but you don't need. Want, need. Two different things. Sam Chand wants everyone to be happy. Sam Chand does not need for everybody to be happy. And when you need it, you become dysfunctional as a leader. And you will not really make changes in people's lives. Wow. 
So as we kind of uh, wrap up this, um, thank you, Sam, again for for doing this. We we have always have a couple of questions that we like to ask towards the end of a of a podcast, and um, one of them just comes to mind. First of all, more of a more of a serious question. Um, you know, me and Cameron both. You know, we we I've been in we've been involved in church since we were little guys, right? Um, and I've I've been mentored by my pastor and and very involved in my local church and. We know that the uh, the church overall, the Christian church overall, is 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 struggling. Um, you know, and you speak directly to pastors. So, what what message do you have uh, to pa- to pastors right now? As you speak to pastors, what do, what are you telling them? I'm telling them that behave according to your age and stage. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Your your behavior, your style, your communication, your vision cannot be a continuance of what you were doing. I'm 70. I'm 70. I'm 70. I have to behave according to this age and stage of my life. Yeah. You know, uh, so I have to act appropriately to that. I'm not trying to be a 20-year-old. I'm not trying to act like a 20-year-old. Nothing wrong with being a 20-year-old. I wish I was 20 again with what I know now. <laughs> with, with You know, life is so backward. Just, you know, just when you have learned a few things, got a little bit of knowledge and wisdom, it's like, but I can't do that. <laughs> I don't have the energy to do that. So I'm saying to pastors, act your age and stage. Behave according to where you've been. If you've been at your church for X amount of time, don't be acting like a startup. Uh, you know, if your church has grown, act accordingly. Your your style in the pulpit, your style of communicating, how you govern the church, governance issues, and so on and so forth. So, Travis, that's what I'm saying to pastors. You're in a different stage. So don't be acting. Don't be thinking that 2023 is an extension of 2022. Mm. It's not a continuance. You, you're in a different space. And so ask yourself, what and how should I be acting at this age and stage of my life? And act accordingly, according to the calling that God has on your life at this given time. And I know that's a challenging thing. Uh, and we're not talking about being age appropriate. We're talking about the context appropriate. Mm. Mm, that's, that's good. Uh, you know, Sam, you've you've mentored me and Cameron from a distance for, through your books and through your. Uh, I've gone through your leadership institute and and all those things. Um, who's mentored you over the years? It all started in my home. You know, my father was a pastor. So uh, it started there. The unfortunate part about my life is, and the greatest regret of my life, is I never have had uh, what you would call formal mentors. And so God providentially, all credit belongs to him, uh, brought people into my life that I'm able to learn from even today. And I continue to do that. Uh, But it has been... A bit here, a bit there, a bit here, a bit there. So I have learned uh, vision from this person. I've learned uh, family and marriage from this person. I've learned uh, 
business from this person. I've learned godliness and, you know, walking with God from this person. Uh, and, and so I would say at this time, I would, I have 12, 15 mentors in my life. Uh, but they all bring different pieces, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, into into my life and I have conversations with them on a regular basis uh, in my life at least at this juncture in my life I don't uh, have like mentoring conversations I just have conversations out of which mentoring appears mm -hmm. that kind of thing uh, so they're or they're organic conversations out of which great learning emerges so yeah awesome awesome so now a couple of more more fun ones. Um, so Sam, dream vacation. What's the bucket? What's left on the bucket list for dream vacations? What's left on the bucket list? Man, God has blessed me. I've traveled so much. Uh, what's left on a bucket vacation? Huh. Probably the South Island of New, New Zealand. Mm. Uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous place. Uh, still not on my bucket list. It's, I mean, huh. <laughs> you know, it's like I've been there, done that. Uh, <laughs> not, not, you know, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big uh, risk guy, so I don't want to go hang gliding or bungee jumping <laughs> off a bridge in Guatemala or <laughs> you know, skydiving or or shark swimming. So you know, none of those are on my list. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think so. Right now, what's on my bucket list is about three times a year. Some hopefully maybe four times a year this coming year, uh, get away with my whole family uh, for a week, ten days, and just enjoy family. I just love being with family. Not not necessarily. Uh, to do stuff just to be with family because family is the most important piece to my, me right now. Mm. That's the most important piece. All right. Dead or alive, who would you like to have lunch with? Dead or alive, who would I like to have lunch with? I'd like to have two lunches, actually. Uh, and they'll be totally opposite characters. Winston Churchill mm. and Mahatma Gandhi. Mm. One was a warrior and the other one was uh, uh, nonviolent. But he conquered. So both of them made amazing differences in the globe. Uh, but coming at it from two totally different philosophies of life. And I'd love to help them unpack their decision-making, how they think. Mm. Mm. And well, the I final I... question. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead, Cameron. No, go ahead. You got, yeah. an you got another question? Y yeah, go ahead. You go. All right. So my, my final question is uh, what any, any book suggestions of anything you've read recently? Outside, Any, of course, reading your book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm reading more and more current stuff. 
So uh, there's a uh, every day I read three to four hours, but I'm reading more uh, news feeds. I'm reading more pod, uh, listening to more podcasts. I'm I'm reading more uh, more content uh, online. Uh, I really like the challenging stuff that Kerry Newhoff continues to put out there. I think he's doing he's doing really good good work uh, in areas. And, I, and I'm reading things right now that help me help others, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Harvard Business Review has been helpful. Uh, and then even, you know, what used to be pop journals are writing good usable stuff. Fast Company, Wired, uh, Inc., Forbes, all these continue to inform us, uh, especially for the world that we are living in right now. It's a very changing world. So yeah, I'm reading a lot of, I, I read uh, very, very eclectically. So I, uh, so in a, every day I read three to four hours, but it'll be all the way from journals to newspapers to blogs. I mean, I read everything, everything. Mm. Okay. Uh, last, last question, final question, uh, Sam. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, you're, you're, you're 70 years old today. Uh, so what does the future hold for, for Sam Chand? Ah, the future. I think the future has found me. Uh, I'm not traveling as much. I used to, Cameron, I used to travel about 200 flights a year. And I think this year I might do 10, 15 from 200. Now you are in the aviation business, but the private aviation business. Uh, uh, so, you know, I was doing 200 commercial flights a year. Where were you 10 years ago when I needed you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you could, you, yeah, you could have hooked, you could have hooked me up good at that time. Uh, so uh, the future has found me. Every day I get two to five phone calls from large leaders of corporation, churches, organizations. Uh, so I'm home. I'm doing phone work. I don't call anybody. People call me. Uh, and I guess they think I can help them. And because at the end they say, send me an invoice. So I think that's good. Uh, so I'm not traveling. I'm home. I'm creating content. I hope to write a couple more books this coming year. I wrote a couple last year. And I think this book we just talked about, How Leaders Create Chaos and Why They Should has done really, really well. And uh, I'm sure you're going to put a link out for that, for people to approach that. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, thank you so much, Sam. I think just uh, Travis and I just listening to you for the last uh, about 45 minutes has been just amazing. Um, I think you've written a very good book here talking about a topic that is really not written about so directly about how leaders create chaos and and why it should. You know, we really appreciate your mentorship from a distance. I think over the last couple of years, your content, your writing, your just your impact. You've you made a lot of impact in in our leadership and in and we're able to to share that content to our audience as well. So we, we thank you for that. And uh, thank you for your time and being on the podcast. So if you want to, um, any final words, Sam? Yeah. Uh, 
first of all, uh, kudos to both of you for jumping into a pool uh, and creating your own waves, uh, creating your own niche, creating your own lane, creating your own constituency, adding value. So keep doing that. Keep doing that. And I know it's not easy, but 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 keep doing that because the returns are very very uh, incremental. You know, uh, they don't just show up in a big boost. So I want to encourage you to keep doing that. I want to encourage your listeners to know that God has placed a mantle on their lives and they have to be true to what God has placed on them. And then I can give you the link for that will help people get the master class and the books and the teaching guide for $19, a $79 value for $19. Just go to samchandbook.com, samchandbook.com. And all the information is there. And if you're if you're a real leader, you will not just do that for yourself. You'll bring your team along and have your team members sign up for the same thing. Uh, you know, a parent does not eat expecting the children to live. They eat and they expect to the, feed the children too. A lot of times mm-hmm. leaders grow and read and go to conferences, but they don't pay as much attention to the people they are leading. So samchainbook.com, send it out to you, everybody you know, and then it's up to the people to jump in there or not. Keep doing what you're doing. Anytime I can be of service to you, Rachel will hook us up. All right, well, thank you so much. Again, um, you can catch Sam Chan's book. We'll put it in the comments, um, how leaders create chaos and why they should. Grab this book, grab the study guide, masterclass, and book. You'll find great value in the content. Thank you again, Sam. And uh, thank you for uh, those listening. And um, thank you. Thank you. Well, ma'am, guys, we thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Leadership Download. I mean, Cameron, that was such a good episode. Um, the, the value that was brought by, uh, Dr. Sam Chan was just amazing. You know, we were, we weren't even sure if we wanted to share this with the public. It was so good. You know, we enjoyed our time with Sam on and off camera. Um, he just always adds value to our lives and we're, we're so happy to be able to share this with our, with our leadership download community. So, uh, if you found value in this, please share it, make it available, uh, to as many people as possible, because I mean, the, 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 the vision and the, the message that Dr. Sam Chan has is just something that is uh, needed for our world today. So we thank you guys so much for joining us and we uh, hope to catch you guys on a future episode. Take care.